Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. All right, so verse 13. All right, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common people, they were astonished. Let me give you some text, context real quick. Peter and them, they've, they've just come out of jail, so they've been, they're being persecuted. Um, they were thrown in jail and everything else because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these cats got problems with it, all right? So we're kind of seeing how this unfolds. They were basically, um, basically detained, is, is the word you would say or whatever. So that's the story we're watching right now. They're preaching the gospel of Christ. Haters do what they do. They're hating, all right? We're going to talk about it. All right, so it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the men who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Okay, I left that part out. They just healed the cat or whatever that's been, healed, been, been, been crippled forever, all right? That's an important part of this or whatever. So the haters are like, oh, you out here healing people? I know it doesn't make sense, but that's how crazy being a hater is. You get mad because somebody got healed? But anyway, we're going to keep on reading, all right? That's why you don't want to be a hater, all right? So it says, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying... What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And it says, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And verse 23 says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So here's the thing. What was told to them? It's verse 18 says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they were told, do not speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And why was it told to them? It says, in order that it may spread no further among the people, said, let us warn them not to, to speak no more anytime in this name. All right. So basically, you have persecution. You have them being detained. You have threats. The danger is real, right? The danger is really, really real. Um, you know, let me just give you an idea of danger. I have a friend that um, is a pastor in the city, and just recently he went overseas somewhere, and um, he said it was a heavy uh, Muslim town he was in. And he said, matter of fact, they check you because when you come in, you have to be doing some type of business because they don't let missionaries or nobody chill in the city, right? And so he said he was playing soccer with some of the kids or whatever, and... Um, you know, he's like playing with this one guy that's from the town and everything and stuff. And so the guy's like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's cool, whatever. I'm glad you're over here and stuff. You're here for business. That's cool. Said the dude walked away, came back five minutes later and had his Facebook up. And he was like, so you're a pastor? My man was like, the fear just went down his back. You get what I'm saying? So it just got really, really real. Like he called this church back home like, homie, get everything offline. Here's my passwords. Quick, fast, handle that real quick, or we ain't getting back out of the town. Real life situation. You understand what I'm saying? So, this is where they stand at with this right here. They just got a real, real threat. Real, the danger is real. You know, I just want us to know that. And so, 
So their boldness caused, caused persecution. Because in verse 13, it starts off. It says when they saw they were bold or whatever that day with Peter and John. That's when it started. So their boldness already started a problem. It says so their boldness caused persecution. The persecution prompted a prayer for boldness to continue. That's what we're about to read about. And so the person who has a need for boldness has a purpose, has an identity, and has a mission. And this is kind of the framework I want to kind of speak through in, in the rest of the text that we're going to get into. And so in verse 24, it says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices. So let me go back real quick. When they were, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, so this is their response to the threat that just happened. They prayed and they said, sovereign Lord, who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So just think about it, right? Who, who plotted in, uh, in vain? Who raged? Who, who did it? Come on, man, work with me now, work with me. All right, everybody did, but right here it says the kings of the earth and the rulers. I'm going to need y'all to, we're going to need another meet and greet and get some coffee back there, all right? We're going to need another meet and greet. All right, so the kings of the earth and the rulers plotted in vain, right? So you know what that means? That means your player hating boss can't do nothing against you. It's the kings of the earth. This is the bosses of the bosses that run the whole show plotted against God's people in vain, all right? And we were out here stressed over because Ms. Johnson, they are tripping on us, all right? All right. Something else I want to hear here, right? It says, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let me, uh, friend, go to 1 Peter uh, 2. Y'all can go there, too. We're going to 1 Peter 2. We're going to go verse 4 through 10. I just, want to, I just want to point out to you about what it means to be anointed, right? Because here's the thing. It's like I was saying earlier. You don't, you don't pray for boldness unless you got a purpose. And if you got a purpose, it means you know what, what team you're on. You get where I'm coming from? And so I just think that we, we, we have to really digest what's going on here because we're not talking about people who are inside of a gray area trying to figure out what it means to believe her if they believe this or whatever caught in between carnal whatever thinking in the world or whatever you have people who are like I'm a follower of Jesus Christ that is what it is and their and, and, and their work is not on some do I really believe it's on some you know I need boldness to accomplish this mission you put in front of me you get where I'm coming from so this is a posture that the church is called to be in like the beef is coming because we, we, we saw inside of Acts 2, um, Peter tells the people, he says, yo, this corrupt generation. I keep making this point every week. There ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The generation is corrupt. He, then he, then he goes ahead and he tells him, he says, you killed the author of life, right? I keep saying that every week, right? Because I don't want us to be on some if, ands, buts, or maybes. Either with, with Jesus or we're in bad shape. We're just standing with the killers of the author of life, right? without mercy and forgiveness. We're guilty as they are, but the blood of Jesus covers our sin. Or you standing over there and you ain't got no covering, and when the wrath of God comes, it's going to be an ugly day, right? 
Our wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. But let me get back to the point. So it's important that we know who we are. But this word in this text right here is such a beautiful thing. And they were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed means that you hold a holy office. You hold a holy office, right? It means that when it comes to life and the story of life, that you will always be the head and not the tail. That's what it means. You may have struggles. You may have trials. You may have gut-wrenching things that happen to you. But when the story is all said and done, the word promises we will not stand to shame. You get where I'm coming from? All right. So let me read 1 Peter 2 uh, for you. We start at verse 4. And it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Listen to that word. He's talking about us being built up to be a holy priesthood, right? And it's kind of ironic to me because when we started in verse 23, it says when they were released, they went to, the, to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So you got a priesthood, right, that is, that is actually telling somebody, do not preach about Jesus, but then in, in Peter, he's referencing a holy priesthood, a holy anointed priesthood called to do the work of Jesus and declare the truth for him. You get where I'm coming from? There ain't no way to be in the middle ground. You got to pick a team. If you're a priest on the wrong side, you're a priest on the right side. So I just I want us to get that. I'm going to keep working through this. And it says, verse 6 says, um, let me start at 5. It says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. For, for it stands in Scripture, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I keep skipping something, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Y'all see that? Holy, people, holy priesthood, all right? We're going to be put to shame. That's how the story's going to play out. That's you. That's head not to tell. All right? And then it says, so the, the honor is for you who believe, the ones who are anointed on the right side of the story. But for those who do not believe, that's the rejected on the right, wrong side of the story, some claiming to be priest of our father, but they are not because they don't declare his son, right? It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense says they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. That means he's already penciled them into the story. You get where I'm coming from? So we can walk around and we get so affected by the haters in our life and the trials and tribulations. And we're like, what in the world is going on? And we're being confused. But right here in the text, it's like they've already been destined to do what they are doing. You get where I'm coming from? Do you get how empowering and amazing that is? That means you get to kick back in the shade and sip lemonade while you're going through a struggle because you know the struggle is actually meant to benefit you and to bring glory to God. Does that make sense? Um, that makes me feel like, that makes me feel kind of invincible around this joint. You get where I'm coming from? You know, when I was lost back in the day, I had this raging, raging anger. I had such a bad problem with anger. It was so bad. And it got me in so much trouble. But one of the problems with it was, the reason I was so mad is because I couldn't control life. I couldn't make it do what I wanted to do, no matter how much I tried. I just, so I just was angry because 
I had no faith and I had no hope. So when I come up on a text like this that's telling me like, yo, I'm going to even use your struggles. I'm going to use your flaws. I'm going to use the way you were damaged in the past and how people even took advantage for you. Like, you won't be ashamed because I'm going to even use it for that. I'm even going to use your hurt to accomplish my purposes. So I'm saying like, so well, what can the devil do to me? And you done defeated death too? Man, that means I don't have to walk around in this rage no more because I can't control it because my father has complete control for it, of it, and, he, and, and my interest is completely on his heart, all right, before I was even born. You get where I'm coming from? That is some good, good, good news, all right? All right. My eyes are starting to pop out of my head. They always pop out of my head, but now they're about to pop out of the pop out of my head, all right? All right, so it means that you already penciled in. Verse 9 says, but listen to this right here. This is gangster. Y'all want to hear some gangster stuff? Can I tell you some gangster stuff? It's about you. All right, can I tell you? All right, I'm going to tell you. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. I don't know. If you've been on the bottom and you've been in a place where it's just hopeless to get somebody to, to have the king of kings say something like that about you, a royal priesthood, like he's brought us together, that's what we are, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, called to proclaim. That's what I told you earlier. Person who's praying for boldness, they know they got a job to do. And it says that we are called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You get the picture? You get where I'm coming from? And then verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is important to know because it means that you are just as guilty as the people on the other side. The only difference is mercy and no mercy, right? That's it. That's it. Your sin is just as ugly. But mercy and no mercy, all right? It's good news. It's good news. It's good news because one thing we know we can trust on, put our faith in, is in his steadfast love, that he's attentive to his love every day, Right? That, that the promises he's made us, they're not paper thin. They don't just get damp and come apart like wet toilet paper. You understand what I'm saying? They hold together like a baby wipe. You understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry. But all you parents know them baby wipes is gangster. Y'all know them joints do the trick. They clean everything, for real. My sneakers was dirty this morning, and I baby wiped them joints. That's all I got. You can do what you want to with it. You can do what you want to with it, all right? But if you're a parent, you know them baby wipes do the thing. All right, so I wasn't, I wasn't belittling the Lord when I said that. But seriously, y'all get what I'm telling, telling you. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you that he's faithful, all right? He's faithful. It says, the word says his mercies are made new each morning. That means when you slip and he's still gripping. And that's a good, amazing thing for us, right? Verse 27 says this right here. It says, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. I mean, all the bosses came together, right? Come against Jesus, right? Everybody was in on it. And it says, to do 
whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Let me read that again. It says, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And then verse 29, they say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. You know, what's, just think about it real quick, right? I'm going to make the point again. You got Pontius Pilate, you got King Herod coming against Jesus Christ and, and, and basically coming against what God is doing. And they can't do nothing about it. Do you get where I'm coming from? They can't do nothing about it. You, you know, this is so relevant to us because a lot of the distress, the despair we feel from day to day, it comes from the fact that we just don't believe that God has got it like that. You get where I'm coming from? That he really, like when the circumstances raise up, it's like, this is so ugly. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I'm in need of repentance for it. I do it all the time. And circumstances look so ugly. We're like... Yo, God, what you going to do with that? This is a mess. But it ain't no mess like what we talking about. It's nothing. But we like to get these little, little, fake little waves. You know how to be at the beach and the wave look like it's coming and it's huge. And you be out there with your surfboard. I was, I never did that. All right, let me stop lying. All right? But you be out there bodyboarding, all right? That's what you be doing. But when it gets up to you, it ain't really that big of a wave or whatever. That's what they're saying. That's what the enemy's threats are like, right? And that crossover game in your life, when you, start to feel, when you start to get the idea that God is for you in all circumstances and situations, that joint will put a pep in your step like you don't, you don't even understand. You know, I remember one time not too long ago, I may have told you all this story before, but I remember I had, um, I, I, I actually might have told you last time I preached this, but I'm going to tell you again. But <laughs> the, um, I remember one day I got pulled over, and when I got pulled over, the cop said I had a warrant. And I was like, bro, I don't got a warrant. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, no, you have a warrant. And I was like, okay. All right, so he took me in. And I was, you know, upset. I knew I didn't have a warrant, you know, unless they found out some old stuff. So I was a little scared. But I wasn't supposed to have a warrant at that time, all right? But anyway, long story short, you know, I'm doing this prior to this, I had just became a believer. And I was just really sensitive to um, this idea of knowing God was just working on my behalf. But... I was just learning to kind of lean into that and, and really start to digest that. So when they took me and they put me in a jail cell, I was like, yo, God, what's this about? Like, how can this be for any good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I got something to do. I was about to go to Cracker Barrel or something, man. They messed the whole plans up or whatever. Like, how can this be for any good? What good can come out of this? Next thing you know, so they put me in this big old pod with mad guys or whatever and stuff. And if you've been to jail before, please don't howl out loud. Don't tell nobody. Keep it to yourself. All right. But if you've been there before, you know how it goes up in there or whatever. So I'll come in and everything. And I don't know what it is. When they put me inside of my room with the two guys I was in the room with, we started talking about God. We opened up a Bible. And I'm going through the Bible with them. And the next thing you know, the whole room is full of dudes like this, just leaning in the room. And I'm just like in the room preaching. And I'm like, what in the world was that? You understand what I'm saying? Next, next morning when they go to take me before a uh, judge, they take me into the room right before you go in the courtroom. And when I go in there, it's this one kid in there. Um, 
probably teen, he was like a teenager, whatever, like 17, 18 or something. And this kid was in such distress and so hopeless. It was just me and him in the room. And I just started preaching to them. And he just needed hope. And he's like, man, I done got in trouble. Like, my life is over. And I was like, no, it's not, bro. I've done been here before. You understand what I'm saying? And I started preaching to him. And I couldn't believe it. Like, so, and then I go into court and the judge is like, hey, this is a mistake. This guy doesn't have a warrant. And I went home. I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even mad. I was like, God, I can't believe that. I'm like, I'm sitting in here upset, and you actually, you, you handling business right now, right? It may have been a little bit inconvenient in my day, but what do you think it meant for those guys who heard the gospel that day, right? So all I'm saying, when you get on that crossover game, you start to really trust that God has you, you know, you in mind. It's an amazing thing. Let me tell you real quick. So, Verse 29 says, and now, look upon their threats and grant to your service, servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let me... Um, let me tell you what boldness isn't. Um, I'm sorry. If anybody could bring me a bottle of water in the back, I'm over here about to straight start coughing all over the place. Anyway, let me tell you what boldness isn't, right? It seems that in the church that we've got what bold, like, you know, what honorable Christ-like boldness is. Like, we've got it twisted. And so a lot of times we think it means just like, just scream and yell out, you know what I'm saying, Jesus or whatever. And, and uh, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. That's how my kids drink. They were like, ah. I'm like, man, I wish drinks were that good to me anymore. They can't resist it, too. It's like it has to let out. It could be like three minutes later, just walk away after they drink, be like, ah. All right. All right, I'm going to stop. Okay. All right, so. But boldness isn't rude. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Um, I know y'all have seen it a million times, and you've seen it on Facebook, and you see people like, you know, oh, Jesus, this right here, this and that, da-da-da, whatever. They never stop to hear what the other people are saying or whatever, like, we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, right? So it means that we are actually bringing people who are enemies of God back into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, right? That doesn't sound like we're trying to just win an argument or talk over somebody or try to prove how godly we are, right? We're not talking about piety and everything else and how much we are on this thing right now, whatever. That's not it. We're trying to talk about how much... He's on this thing to save the lost, right? And we stand as people who are lost, testifying to the truth of who he is, that he really is about that life, and he really died for us, right? To give us life and rose again, right? That's important to know, right? Let me just read to you real quick. Matter of fact, this is important for the church to know. Um, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. That's the verse on love. Everybody knows it. Love is patient. We've heard it a million times. But let me tell you how important it is to use it as a reference verse just throughout life, period. 
It's important because sometimes I go to my wife, we have a conversation, I say something in the really wrong way, and I can actually look at this verse and I can be like, dad, guilty, guilty. Then say, okay, no patience. Um, It's efficient for that, for real. I'm serious. I'm serious. There's there's not a better way to do this. It's the scripture is the best way to do it. So you, you read that thing and you put it into practice and you live it out. So it tells us like, what does it look like? So boldness is an excuse to be rude. It's meant to be done in love. So let's read about love real quick. Verse four says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Some gangster stuff. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You You can lean on this. You can lean on it after you talk to your kids and come back and weigh and go, I said some really great stuff, but I said it in a really nasty way. Said in a really nasty way. This is great for, for friendships, relationships, marriages, all of that stuff, right? Boldness looks like love. It looks like love, right? Boldness looks like love. And when Peter and them were being bold, they were not being bold to try to smash it in the face, face of the high priest and the elders or whatever that were opposed to them. They were actually trying to smash the truth into the face of lost people that needed the gospel. You get where I'm coming from? That's a complete different thing. That's a complete different thing. All right? That's a complete different thing. Um, Y'all familiar with Harriet Tubman? Yeah? All right. Y'all going to be familiar in a minute if you get a $20 bill after a while. All right. All right. So, you know, something about Harriet Tubman really, really, uh, really struck me or whatever. Um, You know, she's been popping up so much because they're talking about putting her face on money, and, um, and if you don't know, she's one of the, uh, she uh, worked through with a bunch of abolitionists um, to, you know, through the Underground Railroad, where they actually set free a lot of slaves, um, and the thing about it was that she was actually once a slave herself, and, uh, and so she, there's a quote she said, which I just thought was really um, amazing to me, but she said, uh, when I found I had, this is, she said this after arriving as a free person in Pennsylvania, right, for the first time. She said, when I found I had crossed that line, I looked in my hands to see if I was the same person. And she said, there was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. I don't know if you've ever had, if you recall when you first came to Christ or if you had an experience like that. And people, their their experiences are different. But I remember that, um, I, I, I remember that I used to look at the sun all the time when I was not a believer. And it's like, it's, you know, it's like I, I knew I was tortured in this, in this misery. It's like I was rebellious and I wouldn't come to Christ, but I was not unaware of how I was suffering. You get where I'm coming from? And so I just used to look at the sun and it used to make me mad because I, it was so beautiful to me, but I felt like I was still suffocating. You get where I'm coming from? And so when I became a believer, 
Man, my picture game of the sunset got so crazy because I was just like, oh, my, oh, come, 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 come. Matt does it all the time still. He'd be like, oh, my, come, 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 send me pictures all the time. I'm like, no, look at this one, Bill. Come, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's, it's too much to take in. It's overwhelming. That's what it felt like when I came to Christ. It's just like everything was so beautiful. And I was like, the scales came off my eyes and I could see. And I was like, Looking at people and my friends who I was rolling with, I could see them for who they were and what they were in the story. But it was delicious. It's the best thing I could tell you. It's like a, like a taste of heaven, like she just described, right? But you know what, what got me about her story is she went back. You get what I'm coming from? Like she actually went back to go get other slaves. She risked even her freedom to go get other slaves, right? It's absolutely amazing. So here's the thing. We're talking about freedom from an eternity of being lost and separated from Jesus Christ, right? For us who are believers, we have tasted a piece of heaven, literally, right? Literally. Because God is doing, he's done an eternal work with us. What I'm saying to you, when it comes to this idea of boldness, this, this is the thing to be bold about, right? Like, if you want to know who the, the church of God is, it's, it's a church that prays for boldness, not to show people how stupid they are, not to show them how messed up they are, but to show them how amazing Jesus Christ is, how real the cross is, how real his blood being shed actually covers the most dirtiest, nasty secrets they have, have committed, will commit, that his mercies are made new every morning, right? That he died and he rose three days later and even defeated death, so... There's nothing he can't handle. This, that's the church. The church is praying for that. We're not trying to figure out what we're trying to do. That's what we're praying for. We're praying to, to handle business, to get down. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? In verse 20 of the scripture, and I'm going to close with this right here. Peter says this right here. When they, when they tell them to keep your mouth shut about the name of Jesus. Um, Peter says, Peter and John answered him. He said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. He says, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. He said, we can't help it. He says, we can't help it. The reason why that's so important and so relevant to what I'm saying is because we have to stay close to the cross and be seeing the cross. We need to stay inside of the word of God, right? I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's a beautiful thing for, for, for Christ to reveal himself to the script, through the scriptures, right? It is actually, it's a privilege that, you know, when I get to preach to y'all because it, it, you know, it forces me to dig so deep into the word. But it's not a burden. It's always like, I'm like, thank you, Lord, so much. I've never, I've read this scripture a million times. I've never been this deep inside of the scripture. You understand what I'm saying? It's an absolute privilege, but it keeps them really close. So it, 
keeps that awe on the situation where like, like Harriet Tubman described, you almost feel like you just got to heaven and just saw it. But that can keep on happening. You can keep being in awe. It's the Bible talks, it talks about the angels flying around the throne and they're going, oh, glory, glory, glory. Because it don't get old. This thing don't get stale at all. So if you feel like you're in a stale place, you didn't got stale. The gospel ain't get stale. So what I'm saying to you is, re, re, you know, make, get in the word. Get, get, in, get it in front of you. Ask him for help. It's Holy Spirit. Like, they're stopping to pray for boldness. They're not walking around, we got this. Amen. We out here doing our thing. They're not walking around in pride. They're saying, Lord, the threats are coming. They're real. Our lives being, you know what I'm saying, being threatened are real. So we need you to give us a spirit of boldness so we can continue to do what you've called us to do. All right? They're very intent about the work. And they're very clear on who they're calling for help to do the work. So I'm just saying to you, if you feel like you're in a place where you're like, God, I don't feel bold. I don't feel like I'm ready to do this, whatever. Guess what? It's good news. Jesus Christ died for that too. He died for that too. So you can actually pray and you can say, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I need you to give me boldness so I can go forward and continue to do your work. All right? Is that good? Hey, Matt, you can come on up and do communion. Guys, I just want us to all stand real quick. I want us to pray really fast for God to give us boldness. Just stand and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord, that you have sent Holy Spirit, Father, Lord, to help us, to guide us, Father, Lord, to speak with us, Father, Lord, to you've empowered us, Father. So, Lord, we pray right now, just, to, just as they did in this text, that you would give us boldness. Whatever little threats we have going on, whether it's our family reunion or Thanksgiving and we have a bunch of people who hate God in our family and they cause us to be quiet at the table, Lord, teach, show us how to, in the most loving, patient way, how to actually overwhelm them with the truth and to be able to speak it. When it comes to that moment when you've set it up and it's time to actually pull the trigger and tell the good news, Lord, you step in and give us power. You step in and give us power, Lord. Let us rely on you to not walk around with a burden of, oh, I got to get myself together and I got to get out here and start telling everybody about the good news. Lord, we're not saying we got to do that. We're saying, Lord, we want to do that. But, Father, Lord, we're asking you to, by your spirit to help us, empower us, Father, Lord. If there's anything getting in between that, begin to stir our hearts and clean our hearts, Lord. We are the people that have received your mercy, and we get to go tell the good news to people who need your mercy, Father, Lord. So empower us to tell your truth, Father, Lord. You've, you've done it, but just like them, Father, Lord, we're going to keep coming before you praying this prayer as the threats and things get even uglier, Father, Lord. So we just praise you, and we thank you, Father, Lord, that we're at liberty to worship you. And we thank you that you love your church, Father, Lord, that you love your church, that the people in here, you've given them a new name, Father, Lord. You looked at us in our sin, and you died for our sin, and you rose on the third day, Father, Lord. But you've actually given us a brand new name, and you've called us a royal priesthood. You've called us your children, Lord. 
You've called us the people who have received mercy, Father Lord. We're family. So we thank you for that. Let us live in that identity, Father Lord. As we see the brokenness and then we see the beauty of the cross, let us realize how much this blood has grafted us in and let us walk in the power of that, Father Lord. So we praise you and we thank you, Father, for your church and for your son, Jesus, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.